Hi, everybody. It's Ryan. I wanted to start out the show by getting a few things off my chest because, well, it was such a lousy week. The news this whole year has just seemed to be bad after bad after bad. So in a weird way, this week was just the cherry on the shit Sunday. And yet, for many, it seemed like it was the shot that finally knocked us down. I watched a lot of things happen around me this week. I watched friends hurt other friends. I watched people get saddened by their own families. I watched people I generally consider pretty positive become consumed with rage and fear. And I personally felt worse than I have in a long, long time. But then I saw other things too. I saw someone get picked up just a little tiny bit by something as simple as a hug. I heard people make a point of telling the people who are important in their lives that they were loved. And I watched strangers the world over begin to wear tiny, seemingly innocuous items as a show of solidarity with people affected by hate. But I'm still worried. Anyone who's not worried needs to take a better look around because even if the world is slanting itself towards your position, there are greater ramifications at work that could be bad for everybody. And I'm sad. I'm sad only because hate has seemingly won the day and because of the toll it's taking on those I care about. When people I know can't talk without crying or can't leave the house thanks to anxiety, that's a terrible place to be in. I'm a heterosexual, cis-born, western white male, so believe me, I know my privilege. I cannot begin to comprehend what so many of you are going through and how much worse it is about to get. All I can do is offer this. Don't give up and don't give in. We're so much stronger than those that would do us harm can possibly believe. We have unlimited potential because our reach is so much further. We just have to remember that every fight has to have a loser, and sometimes that loser is going to be us. We lost this week, but we don't have to like it. What we do have to do is love. We're faced with a fight, so we can't be so consumed with fighting that we forget what we're fighting for. What we're fighting for is what's best for the people that others would consider lesser for the people who sometimes cannot fight for themselves. Rage will not beat rage, but I believe that love can win the day. So look out the window, nod at a stranger, turn down the rhetoric, turn up the energy to take real strides towards correcting this terrible course we're on. And if you can't, then drop me a line. I'll listen to you, I'll come to you, and I'll wait it out with you, because I love you, and together we'll find a way through this. Be strong, be well, and be love. Think about Sunil Yapa, who says that your heart is a muscle the size of a fist. Think about Cory Booker, who said that the devil whispered in his ear that he is not strong enough for the storm, and how he whispered back that he is the storm. Think of Malala Yousafzai, who said that what her soul was telling her was to be peaceful and love everyone. 
on top of everything else, we lost a great man and a great poet this week, so I hope you'll pardon me if I end this with words that are not my own. I quote the prophet Cohen when I say, Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody My parents just came back from a vacation in your fine country. Oh my! My father, my father yeah, they they had a great old time. My father has developed a taste for oxtail. Mmm, yum! He, the fatty, fatty piece of of rare. End. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that, that's that's the thing. Like, I, I I've actually never had it. Um, mm-hmm. Just not not because it sounds weird or anything like that. I just I've I've just never had it. Um, and, but now apparently I'm being tasked with finding a place, a local place where we can get some. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have to say, oxtail is one of my um, my favorite dishes. It does taste very nice. Is there is there a trick to it? Do I have to have it like with beans, or do I have to have it like really spicy or not spicy, or what's the what's the what's the best way? Uh, spicy doesn't matter, I don't think. Um, usually, actually, they make it with um, with these... Uh, what kind of beans are they? I can't remember. Some big broad beans or something like that. Okay. Um, which tastes great. And it's always good because it's one of those dishes that have a lot of gravy. So <sighs> eat it with some sort of rice or... We usually have it with rice and peas, but something like that. Okay, done. I'm yeah. on it. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You're listening to episode 167 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast on my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Um, today we welcome back a guest who is actually making his first appearance. And I know that kind of sounds strange, but stay with me. This is a guest who uh, I have listened to for a long, long time, actually. Um, probably about six years by my count uh, on his own show and he has been on the podcast before twice if I'm uh, remembering right but only during festival time I had never actually reached out to him um, during peacetime as it were and uh, and it got him on the show solo to do the whole ball of wax and review a full new release and do the questions and everything so I felt it was high time to, to right this great wrong and to maybe get him playing some catch-up with his brother, who is a frequent guest on the show, and he's basically staff around the site. So we are across a wire to Kingston, Jamaica this morning. We're talking to uh, part of the talent behind the Unnamed Movie Podcast. Uh, this, this, of course, raises a question. What do you guys call yourselves? Are you panelists? Are you co-hosts? Are you Avengers? What are you? Well, clearly, I am the lead host. That is <laughs> a must, right? I've heard, <laughs> no, we're just, um, I've heard how many times hosts. it takes you to do the intro. Oh, it's 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 a it's horrible. It's it's great. It's great fun to essentially we're just all there making fun of Andrew and how many times he says hi and welcome until finally he just 
slaps us over the head and starts a podcast. Too. So there we go. So he is he is the host. And Andrew, if you're listening, screw you. You have no say in this right now. Um, <laughs> Douglas Robinson is here on the show. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm not, I'm 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 a little dopey. This is not quite the earliest I've ever recorded a podcast, but it's it's you know it, it's the early shift. I'm sure people might be able to hear it in my voice that I'm a little dopey this morning. Other than that, not bad. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's the same here. Um, you know, I, I know we wanted to try and get this thing done as early as possible. So I was like, okay, let's wake up sometime early. <laughs> yeah. On episode 167, we will be discussing Arrival. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. and But first, we need to learn more about Douglas. This is Know Your Enemy. Look at this sacred heart before it blows. And everybody Welcome to the Firing Squad, sir. Inquiring minds want to know, what is the first film you can remember seeing in a theater? Wow, well, this one's difficult, um, but I traced it back, and I think it might be, it probably was Beetlejuice. So, (laughs) (laughs) this is a weird movie to watch first, right? (laughs) Especially given that I would have been five at the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I... I totally remember going and totally remember thinking, there's nothing weird about this movie at all. This movie's great. So, <laughs> yeah. You are I guess. a strange, strange child. Yup. <laughs> and I've developed into a strange, strange man. <laughs> uh, now, I, just because I've heard legend of this place, did, w- was this movie at Carib? No. Okay. So, uh, Carib... I think it may have been around then, but we didn't go. When we were younger, what we used to do is we used to go to... There were two big um, drive-in theaters. Okay. So you would literally um, sit down in the car, um, and either there would be a speaker outside, or you would turn on the radio to the right frequency, and you'd enjoy the show. Now, so, okay, sometimes I I know... um, Because I don't go to the drive-in that often, but I know if you have a bigger car, there's people who will, like drive the car in forward and they'll sit like in the in the back and like up open up the tailgate and watch it out backwards was that what you did or do you have to like watch it in the back seat like over your parents heads oh of course i had to watch it over my parents heads my parents weren't having any of that that <laughs> open you know uh, let's do something different kind of thing right. no we we parked front facing and yeah. we sat down like good little children <laughs> i don't believe that for a minute i do not believe you guys behaving nope no no sorry the same way if i told you that my brother and i were well behaved as children you wouldn't believe that either um, Oh, absolutely not. nope um i, I kind of feel like i want to i want to address this though because it, it's I, I hear it so often on your show and i'm sure every, anybody who heard me mention it a moment ago has no idea what i'm talking about can you tell people about the the cinematic icon in Kingston that is Carib? Can you tell? Because this this place seems like it's legend at this point to anybody who has listened to your show. Well, okay, great. Well, that's I'm I'm glad that it is because it deserves um, to live in infamy. Um, <laughs> Carib is just the worst. So it is um, sadly the best of a bad lot in terms of movie-going options that we have here in Kingston. Um, it is kind of like a multiplex, but it just... There's so many things wrong with it, Ran. You go there and the speakers aren't working or the video isn't working or... And just to get in is is not fun either. It's, it's in Crossroads, which is kind of um, like a town center and to go in, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I, I do not enjoy... 
uh, watching things there. Actually, just the other day, I saw um, the latest Star Trek back at my house, which um, when I put it on Letterboxd, my review said that my TV is greater than Carrie because <laughs> that was the first time I actually saw the movie. Like, I, I, I think I need to go there. I, I was even reading, I was even reading a book, and it, it, like it, it, the book is set in Jamaica, and Carib came up in the book. I'm like, this this thing is just what? following me now. Yeah, oh. yep, yep. No, not kidding. Um, Beetlejuice. Okay, that, that's that's a nice little baptism by fire. Good start there. Yes. Um, that it is. What what is the last movie you watched that is not one of the movies we're going to talk about today? Um, so the last movie I watched is the banger Gross Point Blank um, with John Cusack. Oh, nice! And I love that movie so much. Did you, <laughs> did you just throw it on for kicks, or were you happen like flipping around, and that seemed like the, it was a good option? Um, I just well, I was kind of flipping around Netflix, and this is one of those movies that I watched a million times when it came out, and just have loved um, ever since. And what the thing about me and the way I watch movies is, yes, I'll, you know, go in for the Von Triers and the Beetlejuices and such. But if you put just a dumb, fun movie in front of me, I will just sit down for hours. Um, so, you know, I saw it on Netflix and there wasn't a question. It was just, how much time do I have to watch this movie? Okay, let's click play. Um, tell people, actually, tell people about it because I kind of feel like that, that's a movie that's got a little bit lost in time it's 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 almost been 20 years since that movie came out it's like i don't know yeah pretty much yeah tell people what that movie's about just in case they haven't seen it sure so this movie is the best movie ever it is (laughs) (laughs) as far as i'm concerned it's it's one of the top two and depending on which one you're talking about it's this or high fidelity that john cusack has ever been in um it's about a contract killer played by john cusack who um apparently ran away from um, his life when he left high school and is now faced with kind of going back there and and, and immersing himself in, in that life. Yet with this this kind of wild card of the fact that he is a contract killer. So he could be, you know, walking around and seeing one of his old friends and then somebody pops up and says, hey, you're a killer. I'm going to try and kill you now. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's great. And, and you know, he tries to reconnect with his, his old high school sweetheart. And it's just a great romp um, of a movie. It's got, you know, the, the comedic beats. It's got it's even got some some action in there for you action fellas. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's got some great shoot. Like yeah. Dan Aykroyd is one of the other hitmen. In he the movie. is. And he's fantastic the, in this movie. He is. It's. It's. It's perfect. I mean, the way I, I always watch this movie, and the thing I think about whenever I see it is is Dan Aykroyd just shouting out popcorn. It's <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> uh, it has been way too long since I've watched that movie, so I think I'm gonna have to chase that down. I'm. I'm. I'm with you. Like lately. Jeez, uh, especially this week when it's come time to pick a movie, I'm picking something. I'm picking stuff that. I can just, you know, enjoy and feel good about. It. I've watched a lot of James Bond this week. Basically, is is what uh, it is. Anytime I yeah. need to go go find something or a lot of music documentaries. So yeah, I I, I get I get the the methodology behind this for sure. Uh, th- this might be interesting. What is one of the worst movies you've ever seen? That's a really interesting question because, as you may know from listening to the pod, I've seen a lot of bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think and, you guys are just trying to outdo one another. It's like we're talking about this. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, and and I love how how great we try to defend our bad movies, but um, I think without doubt the worst movie and definitely the most infamously bad movie that I've watched and actually forced uh, the rest of the Tomp crew to watch was The Butcher Boy. Oh, um, God. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell people about this opus. Oh, um, so this movie is about six hours long. Um, it <laughs> It is about this boy who lives in, I believe it was Ireland, and... Yeah. He just kind of runs away and gets into all sorts of shenanigans. He has, um, you know, he has a troubled life. He doesn't have a great um, home life. And uh, he runs away because I think his mother dies. And it just keeps going. And there are explosions. There are weird images. It's, don't, please don't watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so okay now was this one your choice or was this one of the other two clowns assigned this to you of course this was my choice oh um, see so you have nobody to blame you can't you can't. exactly oh brother yeah that's a neil jordan movie and it's that bad it is oh, oh it's horrible neil jordan it's- he's a guy who i usually go in for like no problems oh yeah yeah. Oh shit. So I did. I didn't know that. Um, it's it's kind of funny actually because for a moment I, I didn't actually expect the butcher boy. I thought you might be going with Zardoz. Uh, at least with <laughs> Zardoz, I can make fun of things. I can make fun of um what they wear. I can make fun of crazy per- um prism tricks. It's that I have an out when I watch it. Okay. You know, I can this go into my head. And <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I have no interest in the butcher boy. So, uh, you, you can, you can definitely consider your message of warning heated on my side. Uh, what is a classic or essential film that you have not yet seen? Okay. So, you know how in every Christmas movie or really every, every movie, they ever refer to somebody watching a christmas movie they talk about how oh yeah let's let's go watch it's a wonderful life i've seen it's a wonderful life it's the greatest uh i've never seen that movie wow you are a horrible human being um (laughs) okay so you're you're not the first person to actually tell me that uh we once upon a time there was a series i ran for the site where for the most part i got people to watch um 80s and 90s movies for the first mm-hmm. time um and and just kind of see how the films of my youth were holding up to to new eyes but in amongst all of that right around christmas i got somebody to watch um it's a wonderful life for the first time so i, I you're not alone i've 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 met several people through the years who have actually never seen it and they usually come away with two things one is you know you know if you know a lot of the beats because it's been ripped yeah. off so many times like the the whole idea of seeing your life if you'd never been born and how everything would have changed that's been done over and over and over since then in the movies because that movie is like 1940 i want to say it's at the 40 or 41 so it's super old by now and it's had a lot of chance to be ripped off but what a lot of people actually come back with when they first watch it and and it's kind of cool that we're talking about this now because it's november so if you're going to watch it you might as well watch it in the next few weeks um what a lot of people do come back with and what you may very well come back with if you do get to watch it is 
how not only how little of it is about that glimpse, how little of it is about that look into what life would be, but how much of a Christmas movie it's not. The day, the the, the actual day of reckoning takes place on Christmas Eve, but that doesn't come up until a good hour and change into the movie like the, the whole first hour and some is not christmas at all it's all just you you could watch it in july and it would be fine so that that's that's usually the thing i, I find that is 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 actually pretty cool is the rest there's a whole great big block of the story that's just you know not at all festive not at all lovey-dovey and warm and gooey um so i'll be actually curious to i I, i'm gonna task you with this the the time has come to to rip the band-aid off and to get this over with so and and hey listen maybe you can even turn it into a show um but but yeah it's i i would say dude check it out because one it's a good movie just flat out it's a good movie even though you know the beats because everything else that happens before that part that everybody knows it's so beautiful and 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 so charming. So I, I I'd say do check that out. Yes, sir. I I will do my utmost. All right. I, <laughs> you know you you've got like it's what do we got? We got like six weeks till Christmas. So you got a long time. And, <laughs> All and right. I, and I would love to. I'd love to hear a tump on that. I think that would be great. Um, mm. Come on. If, you, if you, I can you force can the it. rest of them to watch it, yeah, yeah, force. that'd be interesting. <laughs> Twist people's arm to watch. It's a wonderful life. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Last but not least, what's a film that for any reason you wish you had made? Oh, um, I wish I wish I had made The Fall. Um, so this is a movie by Tarsem Singh. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of things about this movie. First of all, it's just beautiful. Um, have you ever watched this movie before? I've never seen The Fall. Oh, my God. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. It, I know. I need to task you. I, okay? I, I, I know. I know. It, and it, listen. Yeah, I understand, right? <laughs> if you hear Tarsem Singh, you think to yourselves, "Oh, that's a guy who did um, the what was it, the Invincibles? Um, that's or the Immortal? Sorry, that's the guy who did the Cell. He did Mirror Mirror. It could never be good." <laughs> and if you gave me that argument, I'd say, "Yeah, that makes sense." But <laughs> this movie is it's so beautiful it's so sweet so it's it's about um there's this hospital um in i don't know what time but but definitely um in like let's say the 1800s um or the early 1900s um so it's in ye old times um and it's about it's so sweet and kind of has this this dark undertone to it it's about this guy in the hospital that um uh hurt himself and is telling a story to this younger girl who um this like maybe five-year-old who broke her arm um i don't know how you broke she broke her arm but she's she's also there and it kind of does this thing where it's this fantastical story but everybody you see in the story um is really like a doctor or a nurse but being retasked to be the king of whatever and it's just this great this great storytelling opus that it's a tearjerker it's 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 just marvelous so you wish you had made it because of just it's it's all around beauty and and effects like it's it's a movie that you find in terms of emotion and technique is what you go to movies for? Is that, is that like, am I getting that? Well, yes and no. So, okay. uh, if 
you're a listener to the Tunk podcast, you will know that um, one of the things I don't like about movies is when they really try hard to get you to cry or to get you to feel some sort of like deep emotion. And I really do appreciate it when a movie, I don't know what it does, but it figures me out and it says, you know what, Douglas, I'm going to make you like me and I'm still going to pull all of those strings that you hate to pull. So I, I love that it was able to do that. And I wish I, you know, that's something I would love to do. Um, and in almost another way, I feel like this movie as a portion of Tarsem Singh's career, at least from, from my viewpoint is kind of like how, um, my career would be. Uh, this is as far as I'm concerned, his greatest movie and his only good movie. And I don't think I have more than one, one good scene in me, much less one good movie. (laughs) I, okay. I, I will, I will, I will get to it. Like it's, it's been long enough for all I like at this point, I might just make it like the, the first blind spot of next year so that I can just finally get to that and, and make sure that I see it. It's, it's, I've had people like give me the Blu-ray and it's just sat on my shelf. I've had people point me towards it like over and over and over. This is this, it's kind of become that movie for me. So I really do need to get to it. Well, there we go. That's uh, that's a lot about Douglas Robinson. Uh, some behind the scenes of one of the one of the hosts or the host of Tom, depending on your take <laughs> on things. Um, but it is time for the new slang. The new slang for episode 167 is Arrival. Come on back right after this. Arrival is directed by Denny Villeneuve. It's written by Eric Heiserer, based on the short story by Ted Chiang. It stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and Michael Stuhlbarg. Set in the present, or something that looks very present-like, um, 12 mysterious spacecraft suddenly appear around the globe. They're hovering over America, Russia, Britain, China, and uh, Pakistan, all over the place that seem to have no correlation between one another. Um, Earth is trying to make contact with uh, the pilots of these craft, and into this comes linguist Louise Banks. That's Amy Adams. Uh, she's tasked with leading a team to try and communicate with the craft and the uh, extraterrestrials inside. She ends up working with a theoretical physicist named Ian Donnelly. That's Jeremy Renner, uh, and they're help, they are lorded over by a Colonel Weber. That's Forrest Whitaker. Things uh, things are kind of complicated. The aliens don't really talk. They seem to communicate just by these circular drawings that they do. And eventually, our team does begin to understand what they are trying to say, and what they are trying to say does not sit well with the rest of humanity ordinarily i like to ask a question that deals with themes and deals with um you know ideas or or greater concepts when i try to start the discussion but in this case i actually want to ask about the overall experience because our 
approach to this movie could not be more different. You actually got about a six weeks head start on me in terms of watching this movie because you got to see it at TIFF where I did not. I, I saw other things, even though I was very excited to see this movie. So I want to ask about The Room. What was the overall experience that because watching this movie during a glut of a whole bunch of other movies i'm curious to know if this one was more affecting less affecting if people were in a in a position where they really wanted to give it a lot of love or if it just kind of played and 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 that was it because sometimes the hollywood movies don't really get the the crowd ramped up quite as much as some of the more indie fare so uh i guess pop quiz hotshot what was your first experience <laughs> watching arrival back at tiff 2016 uh that's a good question um my experience it's, it's funny because actually i wasn't i wasn't sure what to kind of think about it so when i watched it i think the room itself um you know really really liked it um it was one of those times where everybody y- you could see everybody was kind of you know hanging on um to every um, every big reveal, every everything that happens in in the movie, um, but I remember I got out of that, and maybe a couple of days later, I think it was Kurt Halfyard who asked me. He said, um, "So, Doug, how how'd you like that movie?" And I had to say to him, "I think I like it," right. <laughs> um, because the 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 movie it's it's a a very kind of like. It's not very action in the sense of, you know, the aliens come down and there's this like big old war. It's 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 kind of contemplative and um, it's almost a slow burner. And um, it's kind of the movies that oh, the type of movie that I like, because the it forces you to to say, did I really like that movie? What did I think about that movie? And you think for a, a long time. And um, actually, it hasn't come out here yet. Um, so I haven't had a chance to watch it the second time. But the more and more I think about it is the more and more I really like this movie. Um, I mean, I've always been a sucker for Amy Adams. She's great in anything. Um, but just the the way that it's... This movie is beautiful. This movie... Um, kind of does a lot um with you know your perspective of of what everybody is feeling and how everybody approaches kind of um the 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 job in a way of of what they're trying to do and trying to figure out what's going on with these aliens and why are they here yeah um yeah but you know i i I guess to get back to your question i think the (laughs) i think the room itself at tiff was was very much pro this movie um it, it was it was a fun a fun little little event in and of itself you know it's it's funny because sometimes that can actually work against the movie is when you get these very static contemplative low boil movies uh when when you're in the middle of a week where you're you're, you know you're on burnout like you how many movies are you did you see a tip you saw like 30 right no i think i saw Somewhere between forty and oh maybe forty-one. See, and this was in right range. in the middle of that. So when you're film twenty-five of forty, sometimes it doesn't land quite as hard, right? But and and then even like you said, when the room was really really primed to fall in love with it, because some people it might have been the only movie they saw at TIFF, that can actually yeah. work against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it definitely can because I'm I'm a horrible person, and so the more. <laughs> 
um, somebody likes something is the less prone I am to like it. Right. Um, please see things like Wally and um, your favorite movie um, about Almost Famous. You're, <laughs> you're, you're beyond hope. So I, I, of course, I had the opposite uh, approach. Like I, I just saw it this week, and it was actually kind of funny because. For the first time in a very, very, very long time, uh, when the the time and place that I went to see it was actually sold out, um, which I didn't even really know what to do with myself. I like I stood at the ticket terminal and wanted to pick it. It it was grayed out, and the the, the sold out letters were right there, and it just it wasn't computing. You know, my eyes were reading the words, and my and I know what those words mean, but it'd been so long since I saw that. I was like, wait, what? What, what what do you mean? So uh, you know, it was it was kind of strange because I, I was going to see it on opening night, and my local theater is not exactly what I'd call a super busy theater. Like I you know I I would have expected something like that for the Harry Potter movie next week, or certainly for any of the comic book movies. But even the comic book movies, I can usually get a ticket just fine. So. Uh, it, it was it was this weird little approach. So I was like, okay, well, I guess instead of seeing the supper time show, I'm going to go see the late show, and I, and I was fine. But um, having the you know the last two months or so to sit with it and just to see that see that trailer and kind of mull over what it was going to be and, and everything like that, um, it, it it built it to this nice little place. And we'll come back to this, but the 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 timing of it was actually incredible because a lot of what this movie deals with um, seem to be things that were on my mind this week and, and seem to be just freakishly timely after after the last you know several months of, of what's gone on in the world like I take it now that this is a movie you dig yes absolutely I I really like this movie <laughs> like what about it stands out for you I'm always a sucker for for imagery. If you if you put something in front of me that um, you know is pretty enough, I can forgive a lot. Well, you're and, a fan of Tarsum, so we've established. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing about this movie is that there's not a lot to forgive. Um, so you know that that just adds to it. Um, I I kind of love so the this movie kind of sets up. It's almost you could almost call it a detective movie. Um, uh, in 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 like a way because Amy Adams and her team, including Jeremy Renner, is there to just figure out okay who are these aliens, what are they here for, here for, and oh by the way, there's nowhere no way for us to actually talk to them because you know English is not a second language in whatever place that they're from, and so the movie isn't um, really about like uh, it, it, it's essentially them kind of learning how to communicate with each other over a long period of time. Um, and that almost sounds super boring, but it it isn't because they inject all of these little these little things, these these little urgencies that that need to be covered. I mean you have um, all of these countries kind of saying, well, hey, um, do we play nice? Do we not play nice? And and you know you always have that that um, that kind of uncertainty over is there going to be um, an Independence Day level war against the aliens? Because hey, um, whenever aliens come down, they're always angry, um, and, and, and we're always stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that, that's the kind of movie that you go great, in for. 
Yeah, yeah, it's this great movie that kind of every step of the way kind of shows you something about each side and and that uh, I, I'm a sucker for that sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I am too. I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for the sci-fi where the science fiction is really only there to explore a greater theme. Like, listen, I, I adore the Matrix as much as the next guy. And, and and those kind of movies where you get a technological jump that, you know, can paper over some flaws in the logic. But what I seem to really gravitate more and more to as I get older is these films where the science fiction is really only in place to explore a greater human question. So I think about stuff like moon and i think about stuff like source code and other movies that are not directed by duncan jones um <laughs> sorry i don't know why i just came up with those two off the top of my head because uh, they're great because they are great yes exactly because they're because they're great um i'm sure there's more but they're just they're they're not coming to my brain uh you know 2001 obviously but that was another one that had this leap in 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 technique um but there's 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 so many of them where i love the fact that the alien presence or the technological presence is really just a device to to explore something human and that's exactly what arrival is arrival is a lot of people staring at something off screen and trying to put together a puzzle that's what so damn much of this movie is don't let anybody fool you into thinking that it's high paced or that you're going to have huge spectacle or anything like that this is a movie where a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out a problem and i know that doesn't sound cinematic but believe me it is the thing I love about this film is actually it's it's got a whole lot of wonderful symbolism in it, and and one of those things, the one of the symbolism is these circles that the aliens use to communicate. Because what the team discovers is the circles at first blush look the same. It looks like they're just drawing the same circle over and over, but they realize that there's these subtleties, and in the subtleties are the message. So that's this wonderful metaphor for how we interact. Like if, if I were to come into a cafe and I see you sitting at a table talking to a girl, I could probably tell by your body language and perhaps by the, like the expressions on your face. Is this person your sister? Is this person your friend? Is this person somebody you're romantically interested in without even hearing what you're saying? You know what I'm saying? And so we get that in these in these circles and it forces the characters to kind of really get into the subtleties and it's a great little it's a it's a great little metaphor for understanding communication for me the the and the enjoyment of the movie and how how i look at it i just kind of i love to be dragged along so to speak in a movie and this and this one did just that you know i i sat down and i said okay it's it's time for you to to make me want to stay here for the next hour and a half or two hours or however long this movie is and and this movie really does that uh, let's talk about like you were saying like it, it's dragging you along was there was there ever a moment where you were actually hesitant where you weren't sure if you wanted to follow where it was going um no i mean there there are some th- there was a moment where I was kind of watching it and thinking something something's a little bit fishy. Um, something <laughs> doesn't, <laughs> yeah. Something about the way this is being presented to me um, doesn't make a, 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 a ton of sense. But you know, if uh, you kind of watch the rest of it and see see where it, it goes and and it all kind of comes together and um, 
you know that was that now can you can you reveal that moment without spoiling or no i um i probably can't okay <laughs> unfortunately okay so, um, so it was a because that was so- the only that was the only hesitancy there but it wasn't a hesitancy where like i said oh this movie isn't gonna be the greatest it was like i think there's something they're not telling me okay. you know <laughs> well that that's that's sometimes that's cool though you know like if, if i, I kind of like when a movie leaves breadcrumbs like that and and comes to some sort of a plot turn naturally rather than yanking the rug out from under you and doing a sixth sense kind of thing like let's let's be honest this is a movie that a lot of people and i'm sure both of us say you should see more than once you should go back and watch it a second time because there's something there's something that's going to add a whole lot of context and change your point of view um but I, i i do dig that i do dig when you get inklings that something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Don't you, you don't or you want to be like just shocked and odd? Um, I like to be shocked and odd, but it's there's this weird sort of um, feeling of achievement that, that you get whenever you say, you know what? I knew what was going to happen. Oh, I movie. hate people so, like yeah. that. <laughs> the missus is getting like that. We'll be watching a show and she'll call a plot twist before it even happens. It takes all the fun out of it. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I cannot abide this. Um, Amy Adams is front and center in this movie. Um, I, I don't think there's a single scene that she's not in. Um, very little happens without her. She. Uh, this is This is... A performance out of her that I really, really dig. Where are you on Adams? Is she a is she an actor who you you go for? Is she just some other actor? What's uh, where, what's your relationship like with Lois Lane? <laughs> Lois Lane. Hmm. Um. I love her. She's she's great in um most everything that I've seen her in. Um. She she kind of just emotes. She she has a face that is so malleable, essentially. Um, that you know, I I I don't think even if she's in a bad movie, that I could not want to see her in that. You know. Okay. Well, I mean, she, there there are some bad movies. Hey, listen, as I said, she's Lois oh, Lane. Yeah. So you know. Hey, hey, hey! hey. <laughs> don't so, listen here. I'm not um, a part of that group of people that are are hating on the Superman. Wow. Come on. Okay. Come on. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's nice to have ranks. This is wonderful. Um, I'm uh, I'm 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 with you. Amy Adams shows up in a movie, and I go. Uh, you know, I, I think about how there were so many amazing performances in the master and she might have been the best part of it with the complication like that her complicated approach to her character in the master um i i i I, it's been incredible to watch her career because she kind of started as just this kind of cherubic face you know and then this always wholesome character and she has evolved into somebody who can do so many things um this movie begins with uh, showing her relationship with her daughter and uh, you know how both how loving that was how messy it got at times and how tragic it it ended up being in the end and it seems to inform her character and and how she approaches everything like even just her approach to the um even her, just her approach to the, the spacecraft showing up, like I love that scene when we when we watch her walking into the classroom. Like she can see so much chaos happening around her. There's people gathering around screens, but she's just she's very much focused on her job. 
little things like that and even just how she's trying to talk to the class and then she finally just goes for it and says all right what's going on um it really informs you how this character is going to tackle the problem of trying to make sense of this kind of thing no um yeah yeah it 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 really does and she um that sort of focus and and um you see it later on in the movie too when she's essentially just she's either in one of two places she's either talking to the aliens or she is in front of her screen trying to figure out what does that curl mean yeah um (laughs) you know so she's she's very much um this this driven focused person that once she gets that task she has to you know get it done and and that's what really drives this whole this whole movie yeah and you she, know and her and she sells it perfectly yeah yeah which is uh, which, which is hard because it's it's all very like we said it's all a very very low simmer like she does uh, does she yell in this movie does she raise her voice once she may have to at like you know for a half a second yeah but but almost, <laughs> but almost never so that's the thing like she, she's yeah. doing all of this at normal pitch um you know so i mentioned earlier about how this movie seems timely because if you know i i I arrived at it this week after after the events in america that seem to be the culmination of a whole lot of shit all around the world and this is a movie that is all about listening like it's it's that that's all these people are trying to do is hear somebody saying something that they do not comprehend and they have to listen to it and they have to listen to it and they have to keep on listening to it until they understand and at one point when shit gets real of course the 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 very very blunt metaphor is that this screen that has all these texts from all over the world all these screens just start to go red as if they are no longer listening and you know it it made me think about how hard it is to do a job like this to do a job where they have to take a lot of information that they do not understand it is not their language it is not their approach to life and make sense of it 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 could not have come at a better time and you know it's it's one of those things that makes a film that is very very ordinary kind of rise above there's no way that was in the back of your mind when you watched this back in september Oh, absolutely not. But it, like when you thought about it back on this week, did that kind of kind of come back on you? Um, not really, to be honest. But it's interesting how you kind of um, you, you made that that jump, that link. Um, and and boy, <laughs> is it ever um, uh, something that happened over there? And and yeah, you're right. You know, bringing these two things together, it 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 does kind of um, reflect kind of what perhaps we could have done we should have done we should <laughs> or be. should have been done but even like the, the, the one other little trick that i loved in this movie is you know the whole like i was saying of of understanding what is being said and what is being implied because mm-hmm. uh, amy adams at one point she writes out a very simple sentence and says this is what we want to ask them but yet even as simple as this looks we have to go bit, bit by bit here and establish every single piece of this they name these characters because they don't ever get a name for these aliens. And there's two of them. They name them Abbott and Costello. Mm -hmm. And that's actually quietly clever. Because when you think about some of Abbott and Costello's best bits, it was about understanding what the other one was trying to say. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, not yeah. asking the question who, but saying his name was who, and you <laughs> going around and around. It's like it, it's funny because there's there are little flaws in this movie that I just don't really feel compelled to talk about. But there there what, are little uh, things. What are you talking about? There are no flaws in this movie. Well, but no. but there, there, it, it's not like it, it it's it's not exactly what I'd call a four star movie. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it is it is it's timing and it's it's implications are so perfect it's not it's almost not fair <laughs> yeah don't you love um how essentially there's there's one part where she's like listen they asked to give us a weapon but you have to remember they might not know what a weapon is versus a tool mm-hmm. um and th- you know things like that yeah <laughs> oh this movie there's so much in this movie that's so damn good um and we could talk about it forever and still not even really get into some of what makes it really good because we want to keep that back. Because, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, you know, if we, if we haven't made it abundantly clear, there's a twist in this movie. And it's a twist that I think works really well. Um, we're not going to really get into the nuts and bolts of what it is or why. But because I, I think it, it's a turn more than a twist, right? Yeah, it is. And it's it's something that just I think it just adds an extra emotional layer to this movie that um, that. I would love to again, as you said, watch this movie a second time um, to to kind of almost understand where all these beats are, how all these um, these things that happened, um, how it is put even in in maybe a better context um, with that knowledge. You know, it's it's great. Um, yeah. yeah. No, this this uh, yeah, we could be here for a while. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a time here because you might you might need some. I think I forgot to mention this to you. Usually, we end the review section of the podcast with talking about a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could, you would take away from. Uh, arrival. Did you think about one? Because I know I forgot to tell you one. I and and you know, as soon as he said it, um, I realized I'm like, yeah, he usually you usually ask that. Yeah. Why did I not think of that? <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll start with mine. If you, if you want to think about something tangible or intangible while I talk about mine, um, I'll give you a second. Um, so mine in this film is it, it's it's intangible, but it's it's actually the photography. The cinematographer mm-hmm. of this movie is a dude named Bradford Young, and this guy is mad talented and he mm. what i like about his imagery is that he actually shoots in a very 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 different style than i do um i know ordinarily you tend to latch on to people who do things the same way that you do and you know you try to try to copy and steal from them but this guy actually takes a very different approach than the way i shoot photography he shoots um often very dark um and and pulls um, you know, pulls shades of beautiful muddy darkness out of deeper darkness, and I just my my eye does not work that way. So every time I see him do it, it's glorious. This is the same dude who shot Selma. He shot a most violent year um, with um, with Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. Going back a ways, he shot Pariah. He shot Ain't Them Body Saints, which is probably one of the most Malikian movies that Terrence Malick did not direct. <laughs> um, yeah, this guy. Anytime he shoots a movie, I'm all over it. He's shooting the next. He's shooting the um, the Han Solo movie. He's gonna be shooting. Oh, is that. he? Yeah, yeah. So, it, wow. so the cinematography of Bradford Young in this movie is beautiful. The high key stuff went in front of that cloudy screen, and all of the kind of all of the gloomier ones. Everything where they're back in that little 
uh, operating base and everything where Amy Adams is back in her office or back in her home. It's beautiful. So I would love to be able to keep some of the cinematography um, of Bradford Young from this movie. You got anything? Did I did I give you enough time? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I what do you got? I mean, you got? well, well, I guess I can't just take Amy Adams. So what I would take is um, I don't necessarily need the whole spaceship, but you know that I call it the docking play the se- section yeah. where they um, they have this kind of lift that pushes them up, and then they go into this through this hole that just plays with gravity. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to take that little section of the, the spacecraft um, so that I could just play around in it um, <laughs> with all of the, I'm sure, gravitational crazy craziness, the shenanigans that you can do in there. That would be, yeah, be interesting. interesting. A lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we rate films here on the Matinee Cast on a scale of one to four stars. Douglas Robinson, what do you give Denny Villeneuve's Arrival? Oh. I want to give it a four, <laughs> um, but probably like a three, three and a half. Can we do half stars? Of course you can. I'd like, I'd like to do a half star, okay. three and a half. So yeah, yeah I, and and I'm right with you. Three and a half. I feel like this is the kind of movie that I will be watching over and over in the years ahead. Um, so it will probably eventually be a four for me. But right now, it's 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 at a three and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I think I just I need to sit on it longer. I need to let it really sink in and get there. Um, hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you're one of the people who hated Arrival. Um, maybe you thought it was perfect and, and that we're being too hard on it. Uh, let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Arrival? Come on back. We're going to take a quick break and uh, turn the record over to play the other side right after this. back he's douglas robinson i'm ryan mcneil you're on matinee cast 167 we've been talking about denny villeneuve's arrival and it's time to talk about further reading that you could do that would go well with arrival and for douglas's choice of the other side he went back to 1998 uh to a film that i always remember was roger ebert's top film of that year and if you can still find a physical copy of this movie um he actually does the commentary track for it. You went to Alex Proyas's Dark City. Uh, it's a film, uh, kind of a neo-noir science fiction film uh, starring Rufus Sewell, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, and William Hurt um, set in this very strange setting where consciousness can be moved from person to person. And this is a question that I usually get to ask your brother. So I'm kind of <laughs> amused that I now am posing it to you. Why did I watch this film? Oh, no. <laughs> because it's great. No. Did you not like it? No, oh, no. no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, okay. I didn't dislike it, but there's a lot of points in this movie where I wanted to raise my hand in confusion and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, what? What? Um... Tell people tell people about this movie because I, I kind of feel oh like my goodness. And, and, and how you happened upon it and and whatnot. This is this is your this is your circus. You take control of these monkeys. 
All right, fine, fine. Um, this movie is well. You kind of give a, a a good background to it. It's it's very much in the 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 noir sort of of genre. It is a movie about this town with these people in it. Um, and there's something fishy going on. Nobody really knows what's happening, but uh there is this guy played by rufus will who kind of just wakes up in the beginning of the movie and finds out oh my goodness uh did i just kill this lady um because he's in this hotel room and there's a dead woman beside him and he's kind of confused he doesn't remember who he is he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing or what he's done and um the movie kind of goes from there and it's his his sort of quest to figure out well first of all who am i second of all what the hell is going on why can't i remember anything and um the what the movie does is it 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 puts all of these pieces together you have um his his wife um somebody who claims to be his doctor um all kind of and and william hurt who is a, a detective trying to to catch him because they think that and maybe rightly so that he's murdered all these people (laughs) Um, and these pieces all kind of come together to to in a way help him to to figure out exactly that what what's going on and it ends up being this this very sort of sci-fi sort of um you have you haven't even you haven't even touched on the weird bald guys though that's the thing like yeah in amongst all of this is this little coven of baldies that including a child that is creepy as hell this child you know the child gets to go kill him in the middle of this it's just what the and yeah they seem to be you know controlling dark city uh and and all its weird machinations um and, and yeah you know chaos ensues why in the world? Like I, I sort of get it, but why did you choose this as your very to the well, first still of all, stark cerebral nature of Arrival? So let's start with so uh, first of all, um, in my decision making process, um, there's a dirty, dirty rumor going around the internet that said that you have not watched Condor Man, and that is, um, that is a, that so I can confirm that rumor. So that was my first choice, um, but you couldn't for some it. reason <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't connect it. <laughs> I said to myself, "I'm gonna make him watch that movie." Nope. Um, so I had to settle with second best, which was Dark City, okay. um, which I really love. I, I love this movie, and for me, um, how I kind of connected it to Arrival um, and how it connected to me is that they have they they touch on very similar themes um you have sort of this 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 unknown entity this unknown quantity that has come in and um is having this this great sort of effect on um on the world around us and on how we operate what we do um and and even though in this one it's a little bit different because pretty much nobody knows that they exist or that they are even doing anything that anything is wrong or out of the ordinary but because of the way that this movie is 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 sort of um filmed and 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 structured um we as the audience know because we are seeing through the eyes of rufus soil who who is the guy who is essentially the detective right he's kind of almost like Amy Adams and the whole world wrapped up into one if we were trying to link it back to, to Arrival. Um, and 
you know, you, you have that and, and you have, you know, they're this unknown entity for a long time. You're not sure what they are. Are they just a crazy bunch of bandits or a cult? Are they, you know, some sort of monster demon from down below or aliens? Or You don't even really know. You just know that they are really freaky. Um, they're doing something that is really messing around with everybody. Um, and it's clear that something needs to be done and you need to, 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 to figure out what's going on and, and get there. And, and so that's, that's kind of how I connected it. Um, but this is a movie that I don't recall if I watched it when it came out. Um, I remember watching all of the trailers for it and I know at some point I saw it on TV and um, remember enjoying it. Um, and then I think I came back to this movie maybe three or four years ago and just fell in love Um I, I, Ryan, this movie is. I, I enjoy it so much. I've I've watched it. I own it. I watch it. I've watched it so many times. Like, I was. I have. I, I had was actually. Seen it, I had seen it before. <laughs> you, you know, it wasn't like you like dropped me into the into the deep end with this movie. I had seen it before, <laughs> but I mean, even when I saw it the first time, I didn't quite get all the love for it i get it a little bit more now uh you know i i i, I was joking earlier on i but, <laughs> but that said i still it's not the you know it's not something i would reach for ordinarily it's just it's not entirely my cup of tea it's kind of close <laughs> but it's a little too bitter or a little too dark i you know i i don't quite know what it is that, that's not getting my taste now the thing that i Doug about it and the where I could kind of get your connection is it's a film it's a story that's um fascinated with consciousness and the body and that comes up in arrival with what we know and when we know it and how we can kind of tap into uh those thoughts but where you know this movie it, it's this kind of movie has it the opposite of what I kind of like this movie has it where uh, one body can be many consciousness. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we see there's a guy who we see at one point, a character we see where we kind of really get the reveal of what's going on. Um, where the first time we meet him, he's a clerk at a hotel. And then the next time we meet him, he's a newspaper salesman. Same dude, same voice, same mannerism, but just a completely different soul inside of him. What I dig actually is I dig it the other way around. I dig it where. It's one soul in many bodies. So what what this actually made me think of is, and this is a, this in itself is not a, exactly a great movie. But have you ever seen Fallen with Denzel Washington? Yes, I have. Where the I, demon moves from body to body, like that. To yeah, me is, that to me is way cooler than one body being many souls. Wow. I mean, and I have to tell you, um, I haven't seen that in a little while, but when it came out, when I was watching it, I watched that millions of times. I used to love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As did I. That was, I used to own it. Um, it was just, it was one of those ones that never made the jump from VHS to DVD and Lord knows not from DVD to Blu-ray, but <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I got to look for that movie. It's been so long since I've seen it. Um, I also dig like, I, I got to give you credit because the one thing that this was really a good um conversation point for is the way that sci-fi can become the wrapping for a lot of other genres so Mm -hmm. you know lately we've got a lot of sci-fi that's posing as lately we have a lot of western that's posing as sci-fi so you've got stuff like serenity and going back years Mm -hmm. you've got star wars are you watching westworld of course I am. Okay, I don't. I don't know. So, so you know, <laughs> it's, it's something like like Westworld is sci-fi is, is is Western that's posing as sci-fi. 
that's the one thing I like about it is when you can take and in noir, you know, like it's right now a lot of people online are doing this thing called Noir Vember. And as much as I would love to watch Double Indemnity for the 16th time or, or Laura for the 16th time, it's really, really cool to be able to infuse something like Dark City into that or um, Brick into that. You know, like I love the way that sci-fi or, or even Loop, Looper is kind of noirish. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it ish. had some of the tropes. The yeah. ish, ish. So, yeah. yeah, so I, I do dig when like, can you think of other examples when there's sci-fi that's covering something else? Um, well, uh, you could talk about, say, even Eternal Sunshine, which I watched recently. Yeah, 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 Um, that's a good one. uh, Yeah, I mean, actually, almost any of that guy's movies, Michel Gondry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're all all something else. Um, (laughs) He's overdue. Um, And, yeah, so... I, I I got <laughs> I got the connection. It was I I think I was like this is weak. This is a weak connection, but I got it. Um, and hey, listen, remember Beetlejuice, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that explains quite a bit. Um, I you yeah, know no like Dark City. Like let's put it this way: the the one thing I I, I know I've got in the back of my head. That I that I can say that this movie is not is this is not some equilibrium level shit. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, um, again, something. It, it was it was kind of like the poor man's matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when yeah. I saw it. Yeah, and I've had people tell me, "Oh, this movie's awesome! Like, check out all these fight scenes." It's like, yeah, all these fight scenes, but then there's a shitty plot that they've hung it all on. This is not that. This is a weird movie. Um, that that has some amazing ideas and just sometimes just gets too weird, but I I you know I I, I got to give you credit I did enjoy spending time with it and I'm, I'm thinking I might go back and spend some more time with it. I just think the connection to Arrival is a little flimsy. So. <laughs> I think it's there, sir. You've uh, got all right. <laughs> well, come on back. We're gonna take one last break and talk about one more movie just after this. Um, come on back. For my choice of the other side, I went back just a few short years to 2010, a Canadian film called Incendie. It's directed as well by Denis Villeneuve. If, you're, if you've listened to the show, you know that I love to pair up directors, so it probably shouldn't be too much of a jump as to why we're talking about this in correlation with Arrival. Um, a lot of people might not have seen Incendie. It was actually nominated for Best Foreign Film, and it, uh, it takes place with that at the beginning of the movie. Um, there's uh, a woman who dies. She's a Canadian immigrant, um, and she leaves behind kind of a puzzle for her two children to put together um, when they when they meet with the notary to go over her will. And she sends them back to her homeland in the Middle East. It's a country that is actually, you know, it, it's basically just a country that's made up. And, um, and they have to piece together the origins of her story had you seen this movie before i had actually um i've spoken about this movie with those chumps on the other podcast <laughs> before <laughs> so when i actually i watch this movie and as a part of my homework i even listened to the back episode to see if i still agreed with myself <laughs> and do you still agree with yourself to 
I think to a certain degree, but not as not as strongly as as I had put it then. Um, I did not like this movie the first time I watched it. <laughs> so wait, so you still don't like this movie? But you're, I, or you like it a little bit more? I'm liking it a little bit more. I really appreciate some of oh, the some of the things they try to do. On, it's no, great. No, no, no! This movie's <laughs> amazing. What's wrong with you? No. I I I feel. I feel sort of a kinship with the tone of this movie, with with what it's trying to do and how kind of dark and horrible it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's also yeah. beautiful, you know, and 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 somewhat hopeful, like I, I, kind of like what we get at the end of Arrival. Like you've you've got this this message of of love in in this movie that has been pretty shitty the whole way, uh, and by all accounts, really should end in a very very shit space ends with something that's very loving and beautiful i ah okay it just threw off my whole mojo i can't believe this did did i just break the podcast i I, I, I think you broke my brain um all right let's let's try to back up maybe i can just walk myself back into this one so this is um one of this is the final foreign language entry by denny villeneuve in his in his career so far um he's a canadian director he's been on the scene for quite a while now but he's just now making the jump into hollywood have have you seen any of his other you've seen some of his other i I gotta imagine you've seen at least the american ones yeah i've seen i think i've seen all of them since in uh, on sandy Okay, so you saw Enemy, you saw Prisoners, and you yeah. saw Sicario yeah. last year. Yeah, is is he is he a brand for you yet? Like, is he a guy who you hear he's making a movie and you'll go? Um, at this stage, yes. Uh, I think especially after Arrival, and then I was able to connect the dots and say, "Oh wait, he uh, he did this, he did that." Definitely, um, I'm I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's quickly become uh the sort of talent where if he makes a movie I go. Um he's I, I really actually hope that people would kinda back up a little bit and see some of these Canadian films that he did before he went Hollywood, um, because a lot of them are even more powerful. Uh, I'm thinking of stuff like Polytechnique and, and this movie of course. Uh mm-hmm. the, the, it's kinda funny because the the I think I brought this up on the episode about Sicario last last autumn, but the the one little sad thing is when when in Canada when we see one of ours go on to Hollywood and do well, it's like oh well we've lost that guy now he's not coming back to our system, he's not he's not going to come back here and work for you know six million a picture it, like he's gonna, he's going to go work with a budget so so Ansandi was made. For six and a half million dollars, he got ten times that to make a rival. Wow! What is that now? <laughs> that was, I think, some form of supercar driving Jeez. across the road. <laughs> Sunday morning in Jamaica, man. Um, the other, the other reason why I like bringing the focus to this movie is um, how, like, how versed are you with Canadian film? I know you've got a lot of Canadian film nerd friends now, but Mm -hmm. like, have you, have we been pointing you towards the stuff that's coming out of our country over the last 10 years or so? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, 
I think the only Canadian film that I'm versed with would be, you know, the the odd one that that becomes kind of big in the states. Um, I have seen a couple Sarah Polly things, um, uh, and I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of people who don't like to think of um, Jason Reitman as mm. a Canadian filmmaker anymore. He, he's, <laughs> well, he's not. So it's kind of funny because Canadian film has this curious label that's attached to it because you would think that if you are a Canadian and you make a film that it qualifies as a Canadian film but no yeah. no no it doesn't that we they, we have rules because there is a Canadian film production industry and in order to be considered a Canadian film one has to work within that industry and all of the constraints that come with it um so Jason Reitman somewhat rightfully if you if you you know if you kind of be honest with yourself just decided to skip all that and go straight to the american system so because yeah. all of his films have been with fox um mm-hmm. nobody considers him as a canadian filmmaker same as uh james cameron he's canadian he's from chatham ontario nobody thinks of him as a canadian filmmaker i didn't know that oh yeah yeah he's he's what? ours he's he's, he's you know ours, but i love he, canadian films now well yeah of course you do <laughs> um the reason why i bring it up is because over the last 10 or 15 years there's actually been this kind of for my eyes renaissance in canadian film because the uh, the costs have come down. You can make a very, very handsome-looking movie and execute your story with far less money than you used to need. So if if somebody were to ever point you towards classic Canadian cinema, you'd probably have a hard time because a lot of it looks really rough. Um, you know, story might be pretty good, but you really got to look past an awful lot of things. Now that equipment has become so much cheaper and the product that comes off that equipment has become so much cheaper it's happening a lot more and more that these these works are becoming better so i don't know part of me almost wants to hand you a syllabus that, that you could Please go through um, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd really like if you do that <laughs> sure um both stories though when we get ensemble and we get uh, arrival i did like that both stories involve a mother's efforts to get to the truth um it, you know it's not just that Villeneuve directed both movies in both stories you've got a mother who is trying really really desperately to yeah. uncover um the greater picture and in Alessandi it's this is actually the opposite now this is an older movie so I don't really mind telling people this is the opposite of Arrival where the turn comes really late and is just absolutely pull the rug out under from you did you did you buy it or at that point were you like nope nuts to this i didn't forget it nah <laughs> what this turn in um in in Asandi? yeah um yeah i kind of bought it it what it does so th- that's actually one of the things that i like about it it's how super dark this movie gets especially with that turn and you kind of think to yourself wow this is yeah they're they're going for it you know um <laughs> It didn't. It didn't so seem like it. it didn't seem like a twist too far. I think. I think. I remember at the the first time I watched it, I was like, "All right, that's that's enough." Um, but I, the thing about this movie is, I feel like actually. Um, so I'm I'm definitely in down with the turn. Um, 
as it is now. I feel like if I were to watch it a few more times, I'd, I'd really, really love this movie. Because, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. of course, that, see, now that's the tragedy is this is not a film that a person wants to watch over and over and over. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. What about the other thing I wanted to ask you is this is kind of the opposite of arrival in that the countries are never really well they're they're named but they're not real mm-hmm. um and the cities are not are not genuine montreal of course is but but the rest of them aren't what do you what do you make of that do you like it more when a city isn't named or a country isn't identified or is that distracting to you so a movie like this where i don't know the geography behind it I was just like, yeah, sure, those are places. Um, <laughs> but for instance, when and I don't know why this this gets me this kind of um, <laughs> upset um, in the Marvel movies when we're talking about the Black Panther coming from Wakanda, which is this sort of made-up weird African place. Um, I get upset. I'm like, what? Come on. There are millions of countries in Africa if you wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's see that that's yeah, that that's Marvel's failing is that it, it separates itself from DC by choosing real cities and real countries, but then it tries to have its cake and eat it too by making up a country in yeah. in, in Africa. And we're gonna have like we're gonna be all over that in, in next year when we get the Black Panther movie. It's gonna be like, wait a second, this country that's supposed to be fortified, like <laughs> no tomorrow, it, it exists in the same reality as New York and Hell's Kitchen and you know okay sure if you say so um i'm I, i'm kind of like that like with me i actually i like a lot when movies leave cities and countries out of it just because well first of all a lot of the time the cities happen to be american and i have mm-hmm. a hard time believing that only the only stories worth telling happen in chicago new york and los angeles i always come back to a movie like seven Seven. One of the things about Seven that I think is just gorgeous is the way the city is never named. You know, we assume it's New York. It's not. It's um, I think it's Philadelphia actually, where where most of it was shot. Um, but the the way they always refer to this city changes people, and I've had enough of this city, and this city is is an awful place. You, you in your mind, you can make that leap to wherever you want it to be, and yeah. I like that. I like that you can tell a story. Um, as much as I do adore stories where the setting is integral, you know, like, there, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of very, very, very New York stories. And I mean, Scorsese told a lot of them and Woody Allen tells a lot of them and there's there's tons. But then there are all sorts of other stories where it's not dependent on where it is. Um, uh, Arrival actually, like, Arrival happens in Montana, but we didn't even know, need to know that. We just needed to know that it was in America somewhere and, and you yeah. would have bought it. I, we, we really can Canada really, I think has lost him. Like the last one he did within the Canadian system was enemy. Um, just a few years ago. And it's not even that old a film, but no, it's not. It's three years old. It's yeah, the I same know. year that he did, um, prisoners, what was the other one, yeah, prisoners. prisoners yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, ever since then, like he did prisoners at the same time and then he did Sicario and then he did arrival. And now he's going on to do the blade runner movie. So this is kind of my little way of saying goodbye to Denny Villeneuve. Cause there's no way <laughs> he's coming back to work for six mil. There's another movie he's doing in between. <laughs> And I can't. Remember. He's oh, he's working on yeah. He's working on like two or three at the same time, but um, 
Yeah, I like when I when I sent you this. You're like, oh, we're gonna do an all Villeneuve episode. I was like, well, yeah, basically, because he's. I love his look. I love the yeah. way he gets. Because I was I was rewatching Sicario the other day, and and I I really love the way he gets people to talk to each other, um, in his movies. It's it's just unbelievable, really. Yeah, and and it's clear he has he has uh, an eye for for what's on the screen. He wants what you're looking at to be as as beautiful as possible because even this movie even on sunday it was it's just I, I forgot how great the movie looked and it definitely helped that um radiohead played a big part in yeah. the soundtrack yeah. <laughs> um i mean this movie like I, as i say i really want to love it more it's it's just it's so good and and the the sort of dark drive and i love the it's a detective story again where the daughter is trying to find out Okay, what is it that this woman, this 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 lady that that birthed me, what is she trying to make me find? You know, yeah. And and that's that's definitely um, an interesting and and a dark um, story that he's told. Yeah, and, she, and again, she really has to listen to get to it, and that's I, I kind of feel like that that's the key theme of the week. So that was why I wanted to go back to Ensemble and uh, and celebrate Denny Villeneuve, who's very quickly becoming a director who I, I go all in for every time. Um, and that is episode 167 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back on Monday, November 28th for episode 168. There is a lot coming out over the next two weeks. So this time when I say I'm not sure what we'll be discussing, I actually mean it in the opposite way that I usually do when I say I can't choose. Um, Manchester by the Sea is going to be out in the next little while. The new Tom Ford movie is going to be out in the next little while. Another Jeff Nichols movie comes out this week. Uh, The Handmaiden is out up the street from me. So I'm really going to have a rough time. I might just put this up to people and say what do they want to hear. Um, for the next episode, but yeah, yeah. See, it's it's like the opposite of you, right? I have options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I yeah. mean, I'm listening to those to those options you have, and I'm I'm like, yes, I got to watch those at TIFF. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. This is where <laughs> that's I, the only I, reason I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm playing I'm playing catch up. Yeah, you get to listen to the next episode, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the trade off is you get to go watch the trolls movie without me, so you yep. enjoy. Um, <laughs> Douglas, of course, is uh, can be heard semi-weekly at the unnamed movie podcast um what, what do you know what, what you guys are doing next what episode are you guys are doing next actually it depends on how because andrus does some some sending out but the next podcast we're going to record we're going to talk about lady snowblood um have you ever watched that movie nope okay so um it is something that actually Andrew um, put me on to it's a Criterion film and I remember seeing it and being like yeah whatever but it is this great just sort of um, Japanese uh, kicker movie um, okay you you watch it and you think I don't know if you like this movie I know it's it's kind of a, a divisive thing people either, either lo- really love it or hate it but um, it's pretty much the template for um tarantino's kill bill it's no i'm I'm, yeah all right all right i'll 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 give that a watch and and definitely give your show a listen if people want to follow you on twitter where can they find you um they can find me at djr lost his name because you lost your name because i lost my name um my my name that my handle that i usually use 
was taken, and so I lost it. I was very sad. Unfortunate. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's Podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Arrival, Dark City, or Ensemble can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Any final thoughts, sir, before we uh, call it a weekend? Mm, watch Denis Villeneuve. He's awesome. Watch anything he made. <laughs> I, I, I Here, here. For Douglas Robinson, I'm Ryan McNeil. We'll see you at the matinee.